BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This show is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league, or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. It's football season, and it's time to make your way over to my bookie. They've got deposit matches, free bets, and huge cash prize contests for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL action, check. College ball, check. Plus, they have a mobile-friendly website and top-of-the-line customer service, making their platform a one-stop shop for all betting needs. My bookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting making sure you've covered every step of the way. Sign up at MyBookie today, and when you do, use promo code 3YARDS to claim a halfway match on your deposit. If you put in 200, they'll spot you another 100 to play with. That's promo code 3YARDS so you can claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Welcome to 3 Yards Per Caddy a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest And we're on. Welcome to another victorious. That's a lot of them already. That's seven of them. Seven of them. Five out of the last six. Six out of the last seven, I believe. So, yeah, they're winning. Headed to the playoffs? Possibly. But welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry, a victorious edition. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Chris Kaufman is here. Simon Clancy is traveling. He is filming somewhere in the southern part of England, I believe, is what he said on the WhatsApp chat. What was it that he said? Yeah, but but what you leave out is that he's filming himself. Uh, he's filming himself with the lawnmower 3.0. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because of course we need that commercial. So we've had, which is kind of odd that we have. Uh, I guess we can call him a loyal listener, also a very loyal follower on our three yards per carry account that keeps asking for the jingle every single week. I don't know if that's weird or. <laughs> I don't know if that's weird or if it's complimentary or if it's, I, I don't know. I don't know what no, to make I, of it. I, I, so we'd be I think it's just that good of a song. So we flattered or scared, Chris? 
I think uh, I think it's just that good of a song. <laughs> I think uh, I'm I'm not even I don't don't ask me to even attempt it. I can't even remember it at this point. But uh, but I I remember being blown away when I heard it. So yeah. And by the way, the same guy keeps asking for you and is pretty psyched that you're you're on the show tonight. So so he's a fan yeah, of been you a bit. and a fan of the jingle, which means he's not a fan of me, right? Because he doesn't even mention me, right? No, it just it just leave you out of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm just wallpaper to him. But <laughs> but yeah, the the lawnmower lawnmower 3.0. Okay, we already got past Thanksgiving, but there's another big holiday coming up. You know, get the man jingle balls. Life. Yes, get the man in your life. The lawnmower 3.0. Use the promo code five RSN. And you get 20% off, people. 20% off is a hell of a discount. You buy $100 worth of product, my math tells me you get $20 off. Is, is that math correct, Chris? I, I'm not doing math tonight. I've taken a no math holiday. <laughs> okay. But yes, use the promo code 5RSN, 20% off. All right. That was... That was, by the way, a no math holiday, not a no meth holiday. I am still doing meth. <laughs> You're still doing meth, right? Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> meth and cocaine. That's the only only way, way to get this. only way to get through the day. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like in uh, in Wolf of Wall Street when uh, when he says, "That's the you know, what do you think this job is about? Hooker and cocaine, my friends. That's the only way mm-hmm. you could do this job. <laughs> the only way. <laughs> All right." So we're going to go back in time a little bit. We're going to go back in time to uh, Tua's thumb because you didn't get to comment on it. Surprised, Tua's. disappointed that, you know, well, some people on, in the radio this morning were saying Tua's boo-boo, uh, boo-boo thumb didn't let him play on Saturday. It was interesting. I mean, on Sunday, it was interesting that Brian Flores says, oh, if we absolutely needed Tua, he could have played. Okay, that's nice, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Well, they could have absolutely needed him because the the starter is is ancient and and is very physical, and so like it it wasn't. I was asking the question like, who's actually even backing him up today? Because you know we could have one of we had a bunch of we had a a game that featured like no quarterbacks, right? Uh, The the New Orleans game against uh, against Denver. Yeah. Um, by the way, that couldn't happen like a week earlier. The sons of bitches, no. like for for the Denver Broncos, they couldn't. You know what's his what's his face couldn't have tested positive like one week earlier, saved us the the embarrassing loss. You know that Jeff anyway. Driscoll. You know Jeff Driscoll's gonna get I, Jeff Driscoll's the, the the idiot there, right? He he was the one that that tested positive and yeah. destroyed their whole their whole week. Yeah. It was interesting. Uh, ben Albright was who we respect. And who seems very, very plugged in with the Denver Broncos said that the Broncos had released, like basically they snitched on themselves to the NFL because they thought that that would clear at least a couple of quarterbacks from that room. And the NFL said, no, you guys just implicated all of yourselves. Yeah, basically. (laughs) You got screwed. So I saw that game. And to say that it was, you know, but they did it to themselves. Okay. So, you know, what's fair is fair. But to say that that was illegitimate is, I guess, a compliment. 
<laughs> well, you know, it, what's weird about it to me is like, um, and somebody pointed this out that like the other teams that the other games that got uh, delayed, yeah. um, they also they they also had uh, tracing uh, contact tracing protocols that they broke. Like they also had they also had issues. Like they so so it kind of is like, well, why did Denver have to play? Um, if all these other teams got got the delay, even though they also broke protocol in some way or another, I think um, it's I think it's called the four and six protocol. Yeah, right. That's the <laughs> the irre- the irrelevance protocol. Yeah, yeah, the irre- the irrelevance. Yeah, the irrelevance uh, protocol. Because notice how yeah. the Ravens they're moving games. Yeah, it's very interesting yeah. that everybody having an earth for the Ravens and the Titans. Yeah, but. everybody was ready to play football tomorrow night. Right. Uh, and they say, no, no, you know what we're going to do? We're going to move the game to Wednesday afternoon. And you're thinking, what the hell kind of difference does Tuesday night and mm-hmm. Wednesday afternoon have to do? Right. Yeah, well, right. if you move it to Wednesday afternoon, the Ravens get five more players back yep. and your entire running back room. <laughs> yep. Convenient. Convenient. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hopefully so- they they fall apart because you know I'd like to see them fall apart by the end of the year and uh, and Miami skating into the playoffs. Well, I, uh, you know we're going to talk about that a little bit later on the show, but you know sure. we're going to touch on two a little bit first. But yeah, it's looking good as far you know toe just, thumbs. Yeah, if we just start looking around, you know it's looking pretty good for the Dolphins because the it's not Raiders, looking bad. Yeah, the, the Raiders got absolutely murdered. Okay. Yeah. And, and 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 yeah, you lose forty three to six to a team that's just running out the string. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that okay. was pretty bad. Yeah, who's looking for a coach, by the way? Who's mm-hmm. who's now rumored to be in on every single coach everywhere? Okay, it yep. seems like it's going to be a hot, you know, it's going to be a hot job. I would say, although it's odd, you know, that that will be a hot job when you know Trevor Lawrence is headed to New York. Maybe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh know? God. Don't so, remind me about that. But That's, it seems like I'm everybody's so pissed off about that. I am yeah. so upset. It's gonna happen. Okay. I know it's gonna happen, but I'm still upset. It, well, before we get back to Tua, and I know that I would have considered losing to them just to get the Jags, the uh, Trevor into the Trevor race. Now nah, I want to see. I want to see. I want to see Tua playing in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with a healthy thumb. <laughs> you know, how do we have two quarterbacks in a row with toe thumbs? like yeah, how is that possible yeah we got uh we got ryan Tannehill with the infamous toe thumbs that he has and uh and then Tua. well he didn't start with toe thumb but uh but somebody decided to give him toe thumb in the bubble this uh, week but let's uh and, and i'm going to touch on this right right now and then i'll ask you the question on Tua and his thumb but jesus christ this team man this they're taking this new england thing this cloak and dagger thing Oh yeah, extremes. Okay, sure. everybody knew. Okay, yeah, you know, Tua's not playing, and he's inactive because you know his left thumb is injured. So everybody's yep. wondering, and I'm even wondering, man, did he break his thumb? Yeah, you know, because if he broke his thumb, that's a month. You know, did he tear ligaments in his thumb? Did he dislocate it? And everybody oh, said, it's, no, it's was, definitely soft tissue damage. You know, it's oh, it's jammed, right? And then mm-hmm. there's there's clandestine video of him in the tunnel throwing a football with one of the trainers, right? Yep. And he looks fine. Okay. But then he I don't won- know if he looked fine, but I mean, he, he was definitely, they gave it a go. 
Yeah, like he was throwing the football, you know. But yeah. he was already inactive at that point, so I don't even know why why he's throwing the football. But he gets on the sideline, and at one point, and trust me, he never did. He left his left hand inside of his hoodie pocket the entire game. And at one yeah. point, he tries to adjust his headset or his uh, earbuds to try to get the play call. So he has to put the play sheet down. So naturally, you would use your, your left hand, right? Mm-hmm. Grab the play sheet and then adjust. No, he put the play sheet under his armpit and started adjusting it with one hand as if he was doing everything with one hand only. Yep, he was uh, – I think – I wonder if he had like a, like a cold pack on his thumb the entire time or so. I don't know what, what the hell was going on, but he did. He had his hand, he had his hand in the, uh, in the pocket the whole time. I will say this to a tongue of Iowa. Okay. I love him as a quarterback, but nobody has ever looked more miserable in 50 degree weather two weeks in a row than to a tongue of Iowa. But you know what it probably was is probably like, you know, there's, there's, there's these pictures, like people, people start doing like, nc ncis or whatever no csi what the fuck is that um yeah, yeah you know. got it right you can you right. tell i watch network tv um <laughs> but uh yeah like there people are people are doing like enhancements of a photo to get like oh man look at it to his grotesquely uh swollen thumb i think that's why he kept his shit in his pocket <laughs> the entire time because he's like because all the weirdos in the media i don't, I don't want anybody i don't i don't need anybody actually looking at my thumb like you know the and and i probably the team probably you know they are cloak dagger with this shit but um they, the team probably is like yeah yeah don't don't ever show your thumb <laughs> <laughs> like, like we don't need we don't need people speculating on this uh, on this and whatever but and i i really believe you know his thumb his thumb was hurt and um what the most interesting thing to me was actually the, you know, sort of the downgrade cycle followed by, cause he was doubtful. Um, and, and then, and then they actually did throw it around and not, not just in the tunnel, but they threw it around before that to, to see, you know, Hey, let's, let's see how you are. And, and it was like, Brian Flores was like, I think you wanted to get him out there. I think he really wanted to get him out there. And he was like, uh, he was like, no, nah, I guess, I guess we can't get him out there. So um, I think he wanted to put the the quarterback controversy to bed. Um, and, and I think that uh, it's a controversy with mostly with the media, I think right now, because, you know, they're, they're stirring the pot and that's what, that's what, that's what we do. You know, we get, we get people talking and chattering about this and that, and that I get it. Um, but also, I think what he's really worried about is the players and the coaches, you know, cause, cause then you start, then you start getting some of the players, you know, IE the guys who got money on the line, who seem to catch a lot of jump balls with Ryan Fitzpatrick playing. I don't have to name them. Yes. Um, you know, get, get them thinking one way. And then, then you really do have a controversy brewing, right? And then, then you really do have, something to be um to be worried about and i think that trying to get Tua out there against the jets even though his thumb his thumb evidently looked like it got run over by a truck um you know i think that that would have been kind of a way to try and head it off at the pass Mm -hmm. you know not nip it in the butt like there's hey we we threw ryan fitzpatrick out there for a quarter to to try and see if he could lead us on the comeback it ended with, you know, 
a game losing interception and damn near another game losing interception before the game losing interception. Um, you know, it didn't work. Okay. Two is our guy. Uh, but yeah. instead what, what happens is, you know, of course this is not a great football team, the jets and, and we have an offensive explosion of 20 points. Um, and, uh, and you know, we win the game and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then the headlines are Ryan Fitzpatrick does enough. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick shows that he's got what Tua doesn't, or something. You know, all this stuff. Um, and now, now maybe you do have people inside that building. They give two shits about outside the building, but maybe now you do have t- people inside that building, kind of like, I don't know, man. Maybe Fitzpatrick should be the the, the quarterback. <laughs> I think that they're looking at the the eight third down conversions and the time of possession being in their favor, you know, and they're thinking maybe this is the way forward with our defense, you know, we're just going to yeah. bore people to death with our offense and then try to win games 20 to 10 over and over again. Well, you know, they tried that though, but, but that's not, I don't know that that's Fitzpatrick's game. I mean, it, yeah. there were some issues against the Jets defense and, and the Jets do the defense, the Jets defense played hard and, um, you know, give them some credit. It's the offense on the Jets that are that are tanking, uh, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, and Greg Williams um, is really good about getting all those those five man pressures that Denver tried on the Dolphins and successfully. Yeah, and he's also really good. At, he's also really good at motivating his defensive players, i.e., with money to actually uh, to, <laughs> to go kill to play, people, <laughs> to go kill people and play football. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah, I think that I think that the defense played hard and, and maybe, you know, that's why the offense wasn't more successful, but we know like with Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't think it's necessarily boring football. It's like, it's, it's fly by the, it's, it's a little bit fly by the seat of your pants football because, you know, there's going to be days, there's going to be days where he's throwing up those jump balls and, and, you know, you don't win all the jump balls. You just don't. I mean, and, and then you, then you, you're out you're off the field on third down because you didn't win a jump ball um or a couple of third downs because you didn't win the jump ball and then also you know he's throwing those inter his trademark interceptions at the wrong moments and um and it's like you know holy crap this we just got boat raced um you know so i think that that's you know it could be up or down with ryan fitzpatrick actually this the the more steady approach in my opinion, the more boring football, so to speak, was with Tua yes. um, at the helm because that's what that's how they called the game. You know, that's that that's what they tried to be. And Tua was also, also really, really much more careful with the football and kind of guarantee sure. he kind of helps you with that zero turnover policy. You know, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that Brian Flores is one of these coaches that gets up there. And, and I think that they should believe it with this team the way that this team is built, which is if you don't turn it over, we're going to get turnovers. And if we get turnovers, we should beat damn near everybody in this league, save for maybe a couple of teams. Right. Exactly. You know, so, so yeah, it makes, well, think about this. Think about this. Tua hasn't officially thrown an interception yet. We, I think we all know that he had one that was called back and, and there was another one uh, earlier that, you know, and he has the one fumble, right? The one against the Rams or he has two. Yeah. He had the fumble against the Rams. I mean, where he got creamed by two guys, uh, Aaron Donald sacks stripped him on his first, first play as a, you know, first real pass play as a starter in the NFL, wasn't it? Or no, not really. I guess he had the jets as a starter in the NFL anyway, but yeah. 
And then um, Brocker's body slammed him. And Brocker's body slammed him. So uh no, but I mean he had he had the interception that was called back um as he was, you know, rolling out to his right. Uh and then he had before that I, I, it was against the chargers. It was like, uh, the, the ball just kind of went straight through a linebacker's hands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that sort of, by the way, that interception, I think you and I have talked about it. Like there, yeah. there are things about that interception. There are, and there's there are, luck and there's luck well, in the game. Certain suppose, players are yeah, there's, luckier than others. As far as, and it's not even an interception. It's you know, people are calling it like a should be interception. And, yeah, and I, I take game. issue with that entire, concept anyway but um but yeah so anyway yeah um so we've seen it we even if you take those two like those two over a four game period that's like nothing <laughs> right it's yeah. like oh he he, he he threw like two would be two interceptions in a four game period but but there would be interceptions for a reason because they actually were not interceptions so it's actually just zero interceptions and uh, over a four-game period, that's that's who he is. He's safe with the football, and that's how they called it. They called a bunch of you know. There's there's a lot of differences. Um, people have been talking about you know is Chan Gailey calling things more conservatively with Tua than than Ryan Fitzpatrick, and and you know some people try to you know some people got got an agenda one way or the other, and they try and get up and and say one thing or not. But I mean the the, the simple answer is the correct answer, which is yes, yes, there is there is a difference in how Chan Gailey calls the games with Tua versus Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. How could there not be, <laughs> yeah. you know, how, how could there not be? And, and it, is it more conservative? Yes, absolutely. How could it not be? You know, it is, it's, it's, it's like, you've got a guy that's been calling plays the last six years that he's been in the NFL. He has been calling plays for Ryan Fitzpatrick. All right. These guys, these, these two should get a room to uh, should get a, uh, an apartment together and start a sitcom. I mean, they, they, these guys know each other. All right. I'd watch and, that. Yeah. And, and so you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick and Chan Gailey, uh, are a thing. All right. And have been for six NFL seasons. And, uh, and then all of a sudden it's got, didn't Chan Gailey find out by the way, that tool was the, the new quarterback, new starting quarterback from the press. Like uh, that's the rumor. Yeah, like he wasn't even, like he wasn't even internally told because somebody connected with somebody high up, and I won't say who, um, you know, leaked it out. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Ch- suddenly Chan Gailey's got to got to deal with a rookie quarterback who's never called plays for before, uh, and he's no longer calling plays for the guy that he's been calling plays for for six years. It's going to be different. It's there's going to be growing yeah. pains. There's going to be a little bit of uh, you know may not friction but you know trying to feel each other out it's going to be conservative because i don't know what this guy can do yet you know it's going to be it's going to be repetitive because okay i'm trying to focus on the things that he's shown that he can do mm-hmm. and and that repetition actually cost them against the denver broncos because the broncos defense uh, defensive players in particular through film study study you could see that they knew the tendency it wasn't necessarily the the Broncos play calling it was it was like it was smart defensive players mm-hmm. um but you know that so so you have things going on that way but you know were they using no huddle with Tua at the helm hell no not even close like they were one of the worst as far as running no huddle huddle goes they were one of the least no huddle oriented in the league with Tua at the helm whereas they're like top 10 with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm okay were they running a bunch of empty some 
not as much as they do with Fitzpatrick, certainly, where they running a bunch of 11 personnel. Uh, well, yeah, but it was still mostly 12 and 13 personnel for mm-hmm. the for for most of uh, Tua's time against the, the the in the four games that he played. Um, you know, the run pass splits people. I, this is where I've seen some folks stand up for Chan Gailey and be like, oh, he's just as aggressive as as ever with the run pass splits. But no, not really. I mean, it's still if you look at the first down, second down run pass splits. Um, no, it's still it's still more conservative with Tua at the helm. And as as you could argue that it should be. Um, so I, and it was so in, in like every single game, it wasn't, it's, you know, not just one game kind of blowing it out of proportion. Uh, so, so yeah, I think that there were Chan Gailey is kind of used to one guy. He's trying to, trying to feel out another guy that was, um, you know, that's new and that it's, that's a rookie and he's trying to, trying to really nail down what he's good at and what he should be calling. And, and, you know, there were some issues there and they showed up in that Denver game and then, uh, and then, they were going to try and start him, I guess, against the Jets, but then he uh, he smashed his thumb up, uh, and and now we get no chance to see that. So it's it's just unfortunate. But anyway, yeah, long and Brian Flores says that when you know when he's when he's healthy, he's the quarterback. He's the starting quarterback. Yeah, so we're going to play this questionable or doubtful thing all week. I think they were yeah. practice on Tuesday, so we'll see if he's questionable or if he's doubtful or whatever. Yeah, they're gonna you know. they're gonna play that up. You know, they're gonna play. They're gonna be bad with that. You know that. Yeah, of course. You know, they, they're gonna. You know, they they're gonna hide it until until they don't have to hide it. You know, uh, if I had to bet, if I had to bet, I'd say he's out there on Sunday. I'd say he's out there on Sunday to get him ready for this all important stretch, which you know it's mm-hmm. either gonna make the team or break the team in these last four games, but you got to get the first one. And the first one is this, the Cincinnati game that gets you to eight. And then, you know what the mission is. The mission is to get to 10. Cause I think 10 gets you 10 pretty much gets you in. So, you know, I, I would, I would say he's out there, you know, I don't have no information one way or the other. Uh, where I do have information is that I always liked DeAndre Washington. And, mm-hmm. and I said on, on Twitter, on the three yards per carry account, I think he looks the best out of everybody. And people were saying, you know, you must be, you know how Twitter is, you know, mm-hmm. I'm either an idiot or, you know, I must be insane, you know, and nah, they got to go get Travis Etienne. Like I said, any of those things, you know what I mean? Like I said, right. I'm ready to give $50 million to DeAndre Washington. I'm saying he's the best of a bunch of bad options, but I really do believe that. I think he's the best of what are essentially bad options. I think this team has a bunch of RB2s and not a single RB1 in sight. Yeah, I think I think that we have a problem that might run a little bit deeper mm-hmm. than uh, than just the running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as as you as you're seeing this this really take shape uh, through the second year, and remember remember last year, this running backs unit looked like the worst in the league. Ryan Fitzpatrick was the lead yes. runner, yeah. right? So the, infamously, um, now you fast forward to this year. And it seems like, and the thing about the, the, the caveat to what you're saying about DeAndre Washington looks like the best, the best one. Well, we've had problem. We've played what 11 games. I think we've probably had like four or five different games where we could say, you know, Oh, now this guy looks like the best one or oh, now this <laughs> yes. guy looks like the best one. 
are like, did you see what this guy had to offer? And I'd like to see, I'd like to see more of that, you know? And, and it's just, it's really just, just all bad. And I think we have a deeper problem in that I'm not sure that there's a clear um, about what the Dolphins want to be as a running offense. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is, this is, mm-hmm. this is one of those things because a running offense is something that like, you know, when it, when it really takes shape, it takes shape because of repetition. You know, this is not one of those things where it's like, you know, uh, you need to be able to, yeah, you need I to be able to change your identity weekend. I completely week agree in and week you. out. I completely agree with you when you say vision because I said it before. I said it in the preseason. Well, there was no preseason, but you know, before the season started in camp, I said I love the diversity of the running game, which means, you know, all the different sets and all the different types of plays that they ran. They run outside zone, inside zone, leads, power. They right. run everything. You know what I mean? Sometimes that's not a good thing. <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? That's exactly exactly one of the big problems is that you know like i i think like uh, mike martz used to say this about the zone the zone scheme like zone run scheme like you want to those zone guys i mean where it really pays off is when you run that shit to death like you you it is so high in your rep your rep counts that these players just can run it like they and and that's i think that's a run game probably more so than than many many other areas of football is about that is about that uh, the repping it and um and really having a, a an identity and so i think i think we have a vision problem uh about what we want to be because i think brian flores is a fullback guy mm-hmm. um i think that you know he's a self-professed i'm not revealing anything or speculating he's a self-professed fullback guy he likes having a fullback on the roster he likes having lead blockers out there what does that mean that means power football generally uh power running um you know and and at the same time some of the running that's done the best with the personnel that we have uh, especially at quarterback with the sort of the the rpo type of approach with Tua is is more zone and counter and um, you know draw plays and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the backs that we have are more are are better better in that you know with that sort of approach. The power game certainly never got off the ground whatsoever with uh, Jordan Howard. Um, and and then if you look at the offensive line though, you know are these offensive linemen in zone? Hell no. I mean, look, look, they're all full of, you know, six foot five inch and 330 pound monsters or those, those guys aren't necessarily, you know, zone zone specialists. Um, we've got a bunch of the interior of the line in, in particular full of, uh, full of very big, very big guys. Um, so I don't know that we're all, we're going in one direction with the run game and, and so I, and, and so really what we need to fix it in the off season is I think we need to make an investment like a significant investment in a running back um, that forces us to yes. operate with a clear vision as Absolutely. to what we need to be, because, because you make the investment first, you're like, okay, we just plunked a top 10 pick on this running back. We need to make this shit work. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that forces you, that forces you to have a clear vision and to just chase one goal. 
Yeah, and, 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 um, I'll, and I'll get back and to I a, think that's what they need. Yeah, and I'll get back to a story. Remember when Ricky Williams was was acquired here? He sat down at the time, uh, I believe, with North Turner. Was it North Turner? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was North Turner. And North Turner said, "All right, you know, I got this for you." And Ricky was like, "I don't, I don't, I don't actually like that stuff. Can I give you what I like?" And North Turner said, "Okay." And Ricky gave him five plays. Yep. And North Turner admitted at the end of that season, this is a season, by the way, where Ricky Williams ran for 1,800 yards. That's yep. almost 2,000, folks. Okay? And like a 5.6 yard per carry average. Okay? That's almost double this show. Okay? <laughs> All right? And North Turner admitted at the end of that season, you know I ran only five plays all year, right? It's ex- exactly. Exactly <laughs> right. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really – that's kind of what it takes to have a I mean, to have a, um, a great ground game in the NFL. Yes, is you just have like San Francisco under uh, under Shanahan tends to have a great ground game. I mean, I, they they got some issues this year. I guess they've got issues all over the place. Well, they don't know who's who's, who's like, active or who's not. Every, yeah, right, and and so they're issues there issues aside they know who the fuck they are with uh, on the ground right i mean they they know exactly what they're doing what plays they're they're going to be running and um you know it's not week to week it's not based on you know this personnel or based on that personnel or you know changes with this quarterback or that quarterback changes with this running back or that running back they know who the hell they are right and um and that's i think what it takes to have a really strong ground game in the NFL. Now you can have a great, you can have an okay ground game. I think in the NFL doing it the way the dolphins do just get better personnel than they've gotten. Yes. But, um, but if you, if you really want to take it up a notch, I think, I think investing to the point where you have to line up everything behind that investment, I think that could do it. Yeah, and that in this last game against the Jets, the score was thirteen to three, and they get the ball back, and it's first and ten at their own twenty, and this is the Adam Shaheen touchdown drive, which I thought at the time was extremely important, and I said so on the WhatsApp chat. I said, you know what, it's, you know, I'm I'm not much of a, you know of a scoreboard whore, you know what I mean, but mm-hmm. twenty to three looks a lot better than thirteen to three, and it does look a lot better that it's thirteen to three. You're getting the ball back, put together an eighty yard drive, and end this stupid thing. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. Like, who the hell wants to be sweating passes into the end zone against the 0-10 Jets? You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, you know, there's 12 minutes left. I believe there was 12 minutes left at the po- at that point. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, get yourself a touchdown drive. They did, by the way. They got the touchdown to Adam Shaheen. They did. But but that, that drive started at their own 20, and they ran a lead right with DeAndre Washington. And they get the double on that side with Karras. I'm, I'm sorry, with um, with Jesse Davis. You're talking and about Robert Hunt and Davis. Yeah. And you see that DeAndre Washington presses the hole. There's nothing there. And he says, I'm outrunning people to the outside. And he outran everybody to the outside, got 16 yards. That alone impressed me because I don't remember a run like that all year. That well, not since Kenyon Drake. Not since well, Kenyon. Kenyon Drake was great at doing that. Yes. Right. Uh, he, I mean, probably a little too good because he liked to bounce everything outside. But I mean, he's that—that's what he does. Like he—he is particularly proficient at seeing, you know, sensing when he can bounce it outside and just use his speed. 
And uh, so it's nice to see DeAndre Washington do that. But, but you know, you're going to have to forgive me if I'm a little bit skeptical because, you know, we, how many, we've been through this for two years now. It's mm-hmm. not just this year. Yeah. We've been this, through this for two years now. It's like, oh, now this guy, what does this guy have for us? Oh, now this guy, oh, this guy looked intriguing. Oh, oh what about Patrick Laird? What does he, what does he have for us? Fumbles. Um, you know, that I, was infuriating by the we'll way. See. I'm not, we'll see. He might, he might get that first down though. Cause remember what he falls down in a heap, like right on the, right on the sticks. Yeah. So, I, don't, I don't think he, I don't think he had it, but, um, but yeah, it would have made for like a fourth and one decision, maybe fourth and two. Something you know, like Matt Breda, Matt Breda had a challenging game and that, and, it, and he had the fumble and then toward the end, you know, some of the drives that you're talking about, like Breda got the ball in some of those runs and, yeah. and did well with it. Um, so it's just, it's, it's very inconsistent, confusing. And uh, you know, that's, that's sort of the offense right now. <laughs> yes. Moving on on the offense. Cause we're not going to talk too much about the defense. You know, they're just fine as of right now. Okay. And they're getting trickier uh, by the week. More than say. just fine. They're, you can make an argument that this is this is at least top two defense in the NFL. Yes, I would say so. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't think that that's crazy. And especially uh, the Colts have a really good defense, but they just gave up 5 billion points to the Tennessee yeah. Titans. You know, do you see this defense as a defense that's going to go out there and just give up 5 billion points? I don't. I think this is a defense that fights you, and if you get four touchdowns on them, then you did a great job, you yeah, know? I think, I think. well, I mean, yeah, it's, we're, we're beyond that, I think. Uh, and, and one of the keys that the 5 billion points came in 2019 when we were playing this aggressively and we didn't have our shit together in the in the defensive backfield as far as communication and wherewithal and and you know really instinctively knowing how to play um, when you know you're going to get the pressure in because you've got these you know zero blitzes and stuff like that. Like that's that's what's most impressive about the defense is you know the tank play that burned us so badly against the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2019. You know that we called the tank play. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. You know we're running. And we that put it all, on the t-shirt. By we're the running way. that all the. Yeah, we're running. Yeah, we put it on a t-shirt. We're running that all the time now, and it's <laughs> it's not a fucking tank play. That's for damn sure. You know, and and it's like, uh, I mean, that's that's the big thing. That's why they're not giving up a bit. They've they've just gotten so proficient. Yeah, and I drew with, up a play. I drew up a play, and they're so good at it. They're just they're just they're so good at it. The entire defense is so in tune with each other that it's that it's crazy. Okay, I put yeah. it uh, one of the plays that I, I picked out for the yard work this week was a pretty important play. I would say it was uh, I believe it was third and five or third and six, and it was the opening drive of the game when the, it looked like the Jets were going down for a touchdown, right? And Brandon Jones gets the sack up the middle. First of all, they went cover zero. Okay, except that they drop one guy back. So it wasn't really like cover zero, but they had the cover zero look. Mm-hmm. Okay. But w- it's the intricacy of what they're doing on the pass rush. First of all, everybody was, was covered. And Bobby McCain had the slot guy Crowder in bracket coverage with Needham. Okay. Yeah. And they basically just, and the way that they set it up, you can see that you can see the guys communicating and it's very simple what they're doing. They're just saying Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, that guy that's right in front of you, 
wherever he goes, you go. Let us worry about the rest of the defense. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? That it, it seems that that's what they're doing. But if you look at that pass rush, Makai Beckton is pretty good. At least, you know, if you listen to the New York media, he's the second coming, right? Jerome right. Baker absolutely forced Makai Beckton to get into a stance, okay? Start kicking and start blocking air because he threatened him up the field so wide that when Shaq Lawson crashed in on the guard and the center, Christine Wilkins was already on top of the other guard and there was nobody there to block Brandon Jones. Nobody. So Mackay mm. Beckton, what is he going to do? He, he keeps staring at Jerome Baker and Jerome Baker absolutely fooled him with his look pre-snap and his rush off the edge that never, he never even touched him by the way. He just, it was, it was a, you could tell it was a complete fake out or maybe Jerome Baker said, you know what? This blitz is getting home and I don't want to get smacked by Mackay Beckton. Maybe, maybe that's what <laughs> this is about. But if you watch that play, it's so perfectly executed and it's right from the jump when Christian Wilkins is lined up at zero and he moves over two gaps to hit a guard off of Emmanuel Ogba. And you could tell that that Christian Wilkins is basically giving up himself, getting completely blown up by three different offensive linemen to free up Emmanuel Ogba, who also gets in there. So, yeah. yeah well, this, this is what, what really good defense is. I mean, the Jets did some of this against us, and that's why they were kind of successful. Is You know, good defenses are really good at playing, you know, kind of team pressure, I guess. Yeah. And... um and that they just know how to they know how to, to game it and uh, and work, you know it's a team game, and the the good defenses know how to do that. It's not just all one on one pass rush. Um, so I you know, that they, they've gotten proficient at that. But I think that if you look at the Miami Dolphins defensively, I mean we're third we're third in the NFL, I believe in um, in uh, in the turnovers. I think. Um, somewhere around yeah i think maybe not turnover percentage we're third in the nfl as far as uh percentage of drives that end in the score mm-hmm. uh we're third in the nfl i think in scoring defense or well that's that's only technical because the ravens haven't played their 11th game yet but yeah. um you know so so we're second in the nfl i guess more or less in scoring allowed and i think that second in the nfl you add a scoring allowed um, add in the turnovers, add in the, um, you know, we're, we're pretty good on penalties. Uh, as I think people know, the scoring percentages, the turnovers, the scoring on defense that we've done. So sort of, if you look at the points on a net basis, um, they come out very well too. Uh, I think you can make the case. So we're the second best defense in the NFL. I think you have to give the Steelers probably give them their due. Yes. Um, but but otherwise, you know, it's it's a it's a damn fine defense, uh, you know. So you, that should be celebration for us. I mean, that's that talk about a mission accomplished with the money that they spent on the defensive side of the ball, getting Byron Jones uh, after having already given Xavier. And how often do we say, well, this might mean Xavier Howard is done? Well, look yeah. what he's done. <laughs> look what he's you know he's he's setting the league on fire with interceptions. Uh, you know, doing it at a pace that. That's incredible. Um, so getting Byron Jones, getting Kyle Van Noy to a big contract, giving big contracts to Shaq Lawson and, and he's not only beating up on the on the on the little guys, you know, he has an interception yeah. against Herbert, he has one against Russell Wilson. Yep. 
You know? He oh, yeah, got, definitely. He almost got one on Kyler Murray. <laughs> I mean, he's he's in, he's been incredible that way, and and then and then you spend uh, you spend the money on the defensive ends, you know, Ogba and, and Lawson, in addition to Kyle Van Noy as sort of a um, a buck linebacker, um, you know, it's just it, and then Raekwon Davis is giving you great minutes now uh, as a second round pick. Um, I think that uh, really hats off. This this that's an incredible defensive for uh, transformation. And you have to give credit to um, to Boyer, uh, Josh Boyer, and and also uh, um, obviously Brian Flores. Yeah. But um, that defense, that's the story of the NFL. We're seven and four because of that defense. Yes. You know. And and, and I'd love to I'd love to get some insight, although we'll never get it because this is not something that they do. Okay. But I'd love to get some insight into what's their protocol as far as like calling plays and yeah. setting up personnel because we understand that when you know we had the the covid outbreak in our in our coaching staff that brian flores was going to take a lot of responsibility sure but i keep seeing him with a play sheet and I, and I keep seeing him consulting with boyer and they seem to be like really active when the defense is out there so i wonder if he's doing something like maybe he's calling the third down plays or yeah. maybe he's running the personnel out there you know so I, well, I, I, I love he said, to he said that he would always he said he would always be really involved there, didn't he? Yeah, he always said he was going to uh, be hands on with the defense because that was yeah. what he was very comfortable with. That's what he's good at. Um, so I think that it is going to be and and that's something to keep an eye on because you know eventually some some eggheads are going to wonder if you know this is this is really the Brian Flores defense, not the Josh Boyer in defense, and then you're going to get um articles questioning whether josh boyer needs to go be a defensive coordinator somewhere else or in order to advance and honestly i think josh boyer might be on his way to being the next uh you know belichick tree head coach yeah um to get his to get his chance and uh because i mean look he's the one that found nick needham nick needham is playing out of his goddamn mind as a uh as a nickel corner right now i mean by the way you know five uh, shame on me because i several times i've questioned whether nick needham should be on this defense um and you know what come at me you can you can find me on twitter you can at me and tell me what a fool i am it's okay just make sure that you also tag nick needham's mom in there um and but yeah seriously uh, he's he's playing out of his goddamn mind as a nickel corner uh for this team and uh, that's a Josh Boyer find. I mean, he, and and he did that. He did that in New England too. Um, I think you know they've talked about Malcolm Butler and uh, and stuff. So I think that he might be on his way to being a head coach. It was funny. I was ha- I'm having a conversation with somebody who's in scouting, and um, they noticed that Matt Patricia has been fired from Detroit. Yeah, it's like you know, despite okay, being a head coach is like being a CEO. You have to be able to do a bunch of different jobs, and you know, it's it's an enormous amount of weight. And some people just can't do that. And, um, and Matt Patricia probably can't do that, but he's also, he's also a brilliant defensive mind. Even the players that hate him say he's brilliant. Um, You know, I'd love to find a place for him in Miami. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, where, like, what don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like it didn't, you got Brian Flores and Josh Boyer calling maybe the second best defense in the NFL right now. And you've got all these, I mean, it, it gets deeper than that. It's all this success finding these gems and the diamonds in the rough and getting guys to play, you know, 
collectively better than they play individually. Um, why the fuck would you mess with that? (laughs) I don't want to do a damn thing to it. I'm scared of changing it. I'm scared to like Boyer's going to get taken away and then we're going to be like, ah, and then it's just not there for us anymore. Um, But yeah, anyway, that's. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And in closing, I guess we could be brief with this because they've been brief pretty much all year is just saying, look, help us on the way in the form of Preston Williams. Okay. Is. Is that it? Is that all we got as far as this wide receiver core? Or is there still things that you want to see? Or have you seen enough? It is what it is. And we're just playing out the string with this wide receiver core. And you mean this we'll year? fix it in the offseason. Yeah. Like, is there anything else to get to this year with that off with that wide receiver core? Or is it just as simple as, hey, help us on the way with Preston Williams? Uh okay, so yes. It's it's complicated. Um, so because truth be told, it's maybe it's the story that's not being told. Is this offense looked pretty damn good the last time Preston Williams was on there with both quarterbacks? Right, right. Okay, and and, and I think that I think that there's something to be said. A consistent Preston Williams that you know doesn't have all these brain farts could be a really big asset to the um to the offense. Mm-hmm. However. It's it's a little bit more complicated than that because we've got this this weird situation now and and this is how much they went over it in the game the commentators you know James Lofton and everybody went over it in the game kind of speaks to how much they're talking about it in in you know the um, the pregame meetings and how much the players and the coaches are pointing to it and stuff like that they're talking all they're talking about is how Ryan Fitzpatrick is you know throws with trust he throws with trust he he throws these these 50 50 balls um he you know a guy who is covered to him is open you know his single coverage is open and he just throws it up and sees yeah, if the truth guy be can told, make a truth play be told and, what ryan fitzpatrick does a lot of is that if he recognizes oh it's man oh i'm throwing it to Devontae parker <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> or, or mike or mike gasicki or right? mike gasicki like he plays or, favorites or preston williams and yes. and you know and he's always done this in all of chan gailey's the Chan Gailey slash Ryan Fitzpatrick offenses. Uh, he has always favored those big, tall guys who can jump up, who can, who can jump up and catch the ball. I mean, you go back to the tight ends that he had in Tampa Bay or Mike Evans, you know, the all go back to, uh, to New York jets when he had Brandon Marshall and, um, and the other guy who's, uh, I'm, who name I'm forgetting came from Denver. Um, Eric something or Eric Decker. Decker. Um, yeah, it's just, Big physical receivers that he can trust. Uh, he he will throw that trust out there onto the field, and that's why Mike Kosicki and Devontae Parker love him. Yeah. And um, and I think Tua probably struggles with that a little bit more. He's not used to it. He's uh, it, he's used to a different approach. And this is another area where it's like Miami kind of has to decide what they want to be, um, because I think when Tua gets back out there, he's had this beat to death seen it beat to death in the media and um and behind the scenes probably you know beat over the head with it that he needs to throw with trust so okay so he's gonna do that well yes. he's gonna do that more and if he's gonna do that more you better make you better make damn sure damn sure he's got the weapons that are gonna um have it pay off for you 
which yeah. means Mike Gesicki, which means getting Preston Williams on the field, honestly, because yeah. he's going to throw those jump balls to Preston Williams now, and Preston Williams is six five, so you know he can he can yeah, win. And, some and of the those. bad thing about that is, and and trust me, uh, listeners and followers on the of the three yards per carry account, we get a lot of people, and we thank you, we thank you. You know, you took us to ten thousand followers and all the listeners that we have and all the downloads that we get every single week. But people have been mining our mentions with, do you have any information on Preston Williams? When is he coming back? Trust me, people, uh, with this team, we don't know if they amputated his foot or if yeah. he's going to play this week. Okay. <laughs> he might, he might be the an range of, we don't the know. Range, the range of our information on Preston Williams is his career might be over or he might play this Sunday. He might be dead. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that's the range of our information because the Dolphins are just not forthcoming with the, with injury information. That's yeah, it. Sure. They just aren't, period. But I, so I think the, the point being that Tua is going to come back and he's got this beat over the head. So he's going to go ahead and throw these jump balls. And if he's going to go ahead and throw these jump balls and he's not that comfortable with it, but uh, but he's going to do it anyway, then you then you, you want guys out there that are going to bail him out. And Preston Williams is one of those guys that can bail him out, particularly in the red zone. This is where he's very effective, Preston Williams. So, so yeah, that will help. That will help to get him out there. But I think the other thing that'll help, you know, is is we see a little bit more and more lately of um, of Callaway mm-hmm. out there. What is he? He's a speed guy. He gets open. Jakeem Grant. He's a speed guy. He gets open. Um, I think that uh, you do have to give you have to give to a. a some of the some of the stuff that he's that he's more comfortable with i mean they were running they were not running three wide receivers a lot with him uh out there uh in the in the the three games the well really the four games um they weren't they were running it was 12 person it was two tight end it was even three tight end uh personnel and you know i think that um i think they need to get him out there with some speed some more speed at the receiver uh, level, you know, more often, be, be it Jakeem Grant, Antonio Callaway, um, is that who is what his name is? Is Ka- Antonio yeah. Callaway? I don't, yeah, I don't Antonio know. He Callaway. He hasn't done that much in the NFL, so um, so I don't feel too bad. But um, yeah, so they have to get that approach out there, and then I think they have to work in the you know. The, the jump ball specialists and and get him to just understand a little bit better when when he can just go ahead and do that uh, even if he's not as comfortable with it i completely agree and who knows maybe it happens this week as brian flores says he is the quarterback when he's healthy i guess brian flores will decide when he's healthy and or the sleuths that will watch practice starting on tuesday when you know that's another thing is he gonna be wearing a mitten or, or something hiding his hand <laughs> so nobody takes pictures of this so yeah i'm watching and you can track this okay with both quarterbacks our biggest offensive games i believe were that cardinals game just the way they looked okay mm-hmm. as far as trusting an offense i was watching Tua tonga Bailoa playing against the cardinals with our offense and i'm telling you something came over me that had not come over me in 20 years which was confidence when we were mm-hmm. down 31 24 you know what this kid's gonna tie it you know if we lose an overtime we lose an overtime but he's gonna come back and tie it and sure and enough, you know what and, and, i was waiting for that to happen against the denver broncos and i thought it was going to because they finally started to go to some of the empty spread formation stuff 
that that they should have been running a lot earlier yes in, in the game and except you know they started to get it going you could tell that you could tell that tool was getting it going a little bit but then he had guys around him who were blowing it and and like drives that were being that were being crushed because of that and i'm not i'm not trying to say you know like ah two is not at fault and stuff two is absolutely at fault for the for the failures uh for his failures in that game but i mean there was a period where i think he was starting to get it going except that things around started crashing around him and then the final drives where i thought that Tua could really start to get it going they gave him to ryan fitzpatrick and they gave him the exact, they gave him, they gave Fitzpatrick the plays that would have got it going. You know, the empty back, the empty backfield, you know, spread out uh, quick hitters and stuff like that. I mean, they, they gave him more of that. And I thought that Tua had that in him and we won't find out. We'll never know whether he had that in him in that game because they, they went ahead and reached for uh, Fitzpatrick. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that when they, when they did pull Tua and he said, uh, Brian Flores said in his post-game presser, I wanted to go a little bit more up-tempo and I wanted to, you know, get a more faster-moving offense out there. So maybe Tua Tungvaluwa isn't, you know, comfortable with that yet. And what I'm thinking is that he looked at the clock and said, you know what, I think with this quarterback, we could get three possessions and we might need three possessions to win this. Mm-hmm. They ended up getting two, by the way. Because they spent well, way they, too much time getting that field goal. What they ultimately need, and and this is because I I feel like we have we know how this movie ends. If we head into the playoff run, and I, I mean pre-playoff run too, because there's those those games that lose lose and you're out, you know, kind of games. Yeah. At the end of the year, we head into the tough part of the schedule, the pre-playoff pre-playoff period, and then the playoff run. If we head into all that with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the quarterback position, we know how this movie ends. Yes. We do. I'm sorry, but we do. And we've been there before. And uh, and even though it hasn't been that often that we've been there, but we have been there before. And we know how that movie ends. The only way that we're going to have any hope of getting further is if Tua Tungavailoa is the quarterback during that period and he's up to speed to the point where, yes, we can run up-tempo with Tua Tungavailoa, which he was good at at Alabama. You know, yes. what we can, you know, we can do more things with him uh, to where the co- the coaches have the confidence to call that, call the games that way uh, with him at quarterback. That's the only hope that we have to me. I mean, I, I, maybe it sounds like I'm really, really denigrating Ryan Fitzpatrick right now, but he's had a long career. And I think that he's just kind of established his limitations. Um, so, you know, We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we will see. And what I would say is, who knows? Maybe maybe they're just trying to keep it off of film for now. And they're eyeballing mm. that four-game stretch that we're eyeballing. Could be. You know? Like, they can read a schedule too, right? So sure. maybe they're reading the schedule. You know, m- maybe they did get cute with this Jet game. And they said, you know, we're not wasting two on this, on this cr- with this crap. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, could be. Could it could be you never know you never know you, you never know what they're thinking but we will see because that that four game stretch is upon us pretty soon looming. or then we will have a preview of dolphins bengals later on this week 
So that's it. There is no more. We will see you later this week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. 